podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Terrace Podcast. My name is Craig Cairns and tonight is not a night for intros or anything like that. We're just going to get on with it because we're already tight for time. I am joined by Stone Cold Andy Harrow. How are you doing, Andy? I'm good, Craig. How are you? I am good, thanks. And the Terrace is Sean Dyche, Tony Anderson. Is that due to my face, my hair, my gravelly voice, the fact that I live on sort of steak pies? There's a real list of stuff. I was just going for the voice one, but you've given... You 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 put way more meat on the bone there than I was. Than I do. <laughs> so, yours. Um, so yeah, we're, shots of gravy. <laughs> so we're just going to go over the games from Wednesday night. We're going to start with uh, an astonishing result, really. Dundee United won St. Mirren five. This was a big match in terms of the race for the top six. Brophy was given a strike partner in Obika. Flynn came into the midfield, and while the uh, the two strikers didn't get onto the score sheet, Tony, they, they seemed all the better for it. Yeah, I thought it was, it was quite an, an interesting sort of way for them to go. And it's, it's, I know, like in the in the past, they've they've made against Ross County, they went with one up front, uh, but they've they've they went in there with um, with Brophy and and Obika up there. And I, I, as we've discussed before, I think Brophy prefers having a, a strike partner. One thing that I thought. Was maybe missing from that is the fact that it meant that Connolly missed out, uh, which is unfortunate for him. I think he's been on the brink of being sort of like a uh, of doing something really quite special, and I suppose he did come on at the end and, and make that happen. But yeah, it's hard to argue with five one. Although I think what got the ball rolling for uh, St Mirren was some quite dodgy decisions, really. Yeah, and I think um, sticking with Brophy for a second, Andy. I think even. Um, at his previous club, Kilmarnock, it was said that he is much better with a strike partner alongside him. And it seems that um, those first few matches, they were trying to kind of, Goodwin was trying to play him as a lone striker. And again, it didn't quite suit him. Yeah, I mean, I, with uh, with Profi, a, a lot of what he does is kind of industrious stuff in and around the, the edge of the box. And he's not, you know, he's not a particularly a, a penalty box striker, although he's had a few spells where he's, he's scored in spurts but yeah I think he is somebody who benefits from not having all the attention focused on him uh, and it gives him just a wee bit more space that he maybe needs to, to create something so um, but yeah I mean as, as Tony said it, it was a game where it came down it came down to kind of chances or, or um, some decisions which were, were definitely questionable um, in terms of how the, how the game panned out I think yeah, um, Tony gave me a perfect kind of lead into those and I ignored it and went another way. But yeah, stick with you, Andy. The first penalty decision um, was, well, I think I think they were both certain levels of ridiculous. The second one you could maybe argue within the rules at the moment, that's a, that's a penalty. So it's maybe less ridiculous. But the first one, I mean, that's just coming together that you see all over the park all day in a football match and it's it's not it's not a foul is it 
Yeah, no, I, it felt, especially given it was, was it Sean that went down under it as well? It felt <laughs> very, very soft. It, so maybe Reynolds had two hands on his back, but there didn't seem to be any degree of force in terms of pushing him over. Um, yeah, it, it just seemed it just seemed incredibly soft. If he's if he's if Reynolds has put his hands on his back, then maybe he's given the referee a decision. But even then, I think that's going to have been very generous to. It was beaten, wasn't it? It was a referee yesterday. It was, it's been very generous to him. I quite enjoyed because it was it was yeah, it was just very 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 soft. I quite enjoyed Goodwin after the game with the way he was talking. That I wish we had beaten in the semi final. Uh, I thought that was all that was all <laughs> quite cute. Uh, did did St Mirren not get? Um, a similar penalty or against Motherwell when they got a similar rub of the green where there was an absolute nothing foul. Um, or maybe it was vice versa. One of them, they were in the game against Motherwell and there was nothing happening. And he's just went in, and they went down. And again, it was just a brush of the arm in the back. So they've been involved in quite a few decisions similarly uh, in, in recent weeks. And um, one thing that, that, although we're talking about them looking a bit better with the, with the front two there, I struggle to see that continuing simply because Doyle Hayes is, is, is going to come back into the team. Uh, Erehon is going to play. And if you looked at guys like Flynn, I thought Flynn looked like he had, he had a pretty good game in the highlights. He was he was up and down and he was sort of really energetic in there. And they've got McPherson in there as well. They've got a lot of players that play in that position. So I, I just get the feeling that despite it being 5-1, I get the feeling that Goodwin will probably revert back to, to what he's been doing previously. What did you think of the second penalty decision, Tony? Uh, I don't really think that's a penalty either. He, he turns his back, it sort of hits him in the side. Um, I heard your best mate on sports team talking about it, where, where, the sort of, where he says it definitely doesn't hit his arm. I'm not quite so sure about that because obviously when it hits there, it might, it it might hit his elbow, yeah. the top part of the ball or whatever. But I just, if he does it's one of those, and I know this, these are the arguments we get all the time in football with penalties, but if he doesn't give it, nobody gives a shit. Nobody's looking for Nobody's going to bother. Um, so I just feel like, especially when you've especially already you've just had, one. Yeah, you've just had a penalty two minutes ago as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, it seemed really, really, to get two soft penalties like that against you, I think's um, a, a, a bit brutal. Even though Simmer and again, that the, the sort of goal they got earlier for, for Shaughnessy uh, to move away for the decisions, uh, that was sort of well worked and uh, sort of like a really big part of an attribute of their play is sort of McGrath set pieces. They um, and the, also the subs that were able to bring on. Uh, I know by that point, Dundee United were kind of chasing the game a bit, and the the two goals definitely later in the game were kind of like on the break a bit. But uh, the, the sub certainly came on and did their bit. But Goodwin did say after the game, Andy, that five um, one wasn't a fair reflection of the game. And um, I know we've already discussed, but it's at the point that those two penalties come at as well, there's, okay, United are 1-0 down, but they've still been in the game and they still went on to create quite a bit after that as well, apparently. So, um, so, so yeah, it, it wasn't as uneven as a 5-1 would suggest. No, I don't think so. Um, I, but I suppose uh, to give... Similar in credit. I mean, we've kind of said that they've they've had two quite fortunate goals, but they were they were already ahead at that point. Um, Dundee United, I think they've been. Uh, I think Dundee United moved to four at the back, but the first goal came from a set piece, and there was kind of poor marking on Shaughnessy from it um, when it when it fell to him in the box, and just yeah, just in general. I mean, it's not a. It may not have been a, a five-one in terms of the performance, but then United, but they, they weren't good by any means. And I think 
you, you do worry a wee bit um, about them from a, a mental or psychological standpoint. If they've, you know, they've, they've was it six games they've gone without winning in the league now, and they've uh, not only were they losing, but they in 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 fairness, they were maybe chasing the game towards the end of the end of the match, but they've they've ended up conceding another two goals, and and the goals the, the last couple of goals they lost were pretty soft too. Um, I mean, certainly the last one, Flynn is one on one down the flank and kind of wins his battle easily and then there's nobody anywhere near Dennis for to uh, to knock in the fifth so you would even though the performance maybe wasn't quite as bad as a 5-1 you would still have quite a few concerns in terms of just how poorly uh, United competed in it generally You're talking about um, Andy about obviously them going four at the back I think this is the first game in a while that Dundee United started with, with, with four at the back uh, they, obviously, in every other game, they've been playing mainly a 3-5-2 recently. They went, um, it looked like 4-1-4-1, uh, according to Scout. And McNulty was playing on the left, and he, and he was back to this sort of conundrum that, he, that he's had a few times this season, Mellon, about trying to fit in McNulty, who's obviously a, a, was a relatively big-name signing. A lot of money got put in that, and I don't think Dundee United are in a good position financially, going by rumours that you hear, and and obviously with the players taking pay cuts. So the fact that he's come in and he's the only player not to take a pay cut, and he's not actually been playing all the time, and I feel like he might be getting to a point where he's feeling forced that he has to get him in there. It's meant that Nicky Clark's been sort of playing a sort of central midfield role in a pair, and Shankland have been playing up front recently. But in this game, see Clark's playing central midfield with Harks, Powers in behind them. Shanklin's up front by himself, and then he's got McNulty and Bolton. I think it's safe to say when it comes to the weekend that he's going to revert back to the three because he's had his fingers burnt. He's mainly been playing a sort of quite a cautious style of football this season. Man, I don't think that's unfair to say. I think man, Dundee United fans would certainly agree with that. Um, and unfortunately for them, this looked like quite an attacking lineup that he went with for this game. They've been beat five one, and I think it's safe to say he'll revert to type. And that might not be necessarily the right decision, but it will certainly be going back to to what he to what he wants in there. Okay, let's move on to the next game, and that is Ross County one Motherwell two. This is the game. <clears throat> oh, one of the two. Sorry, games. I don't. I, I, that's something we need to never mention that we really need to. Why is Mehmet in goals? Why? What's wrong with C, why Seagrass not I playing? Think he's had a knock or something. No. Is that is that right? Because just he's on the bench. I've noticed, and I and I just I have no idea what the what the reason was. I think I might have heard that before the game. I had uh, I had sports sound on. I thought maybe they had mentioned that, but I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But uh, yeah, it would be a strange decision if um, if he hadn't had a knock and yeah, he, had, he just dropped the bench just to give Dennis Mehmet a game. Although I don't think Dennis Mehmet could have done much different. Could he have? No, no. I wouldn't no. say. I just I was just shocked to see that Seagrets is sitting on the bench. He's arguably been one. Not even arguably, he's definitely been one of the best goalies in the league season. I was going to start researching to see if there was anything to do with sort of contracts and him playing if it costs or or, or something like that. But um, there must be a knock. There must be, and but they can't fill the bench, so they've just popped Seacrest in there anyway, rather than let him stay at home and put his feet up. Yeah, well, like I said, let's move on to Ross County one, Motherwell two. This at half time, this was looking. Motherwell season in general was looking pretty grim at halftime of this match, but astonishingly, they scored and they, they scored their first equaliser of the season. I think that is that in the league? Is that in every competition? I don't know. Um, um, Certainly in the league. Uh, yeah, yeah, Graham yeah. that dropped that into the group chat last night. 
Yeah, a pretty remarkable stat. Um, but it's a it's a huge result, um, and it, it was a bit fortunate. The um, I mean, sort of amazing. We're in twenty twenty one, and we're still, we're still talking about Rod Laidlaw dropping clangers in the Premiership. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But they, they got a bit of luck. It, it was quite similar actually. The, the the goal that Laidlaw conceded was quite similar to the mistake that Kelly made for the Ross County goal in the first half, um, and. But it but it gave it gave Motherwell something to to build on and uh, Motherwell were, were the better team in the, in the second half I think uh, County struggled to to really get involved at all in the second half they didn't pose much of a threat uh, from an attacking sense uh, and in the end I think um, Tony Watt had a, a very good game was kind of has been one of the the rare bright spots for Motherwell in general and he was he was apparently very good um, throughout the game. And then the, the the winner ended up being just an absolute. I mean, it's the kind of definition of a towering header from uh, Mugabe. It was it was so so high uh, that he, he managed to jump up for it. Um, and it's, it's a huge result for Motherwell. New... Oh, sorry, what were you saying? No, no, no. Sorry, on, on you go. I was just saying he was competing with Hearts as a new striker for who can leap the highest and nod a header into into the net. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't even I, I couldn't even tell you about that because I'd, I'd stopped watching that game by that point. Um, but the uh, show lads Premiership, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just a, it's just a huge result, and I think it shows there is a wee bit of resilience there. Um, I think maybe Ross County. There's some questions over. Kind of decision making in terms of people that they brought on, brought off, uh, and maybe also their character as well. But for for Motherwell, because uh, I think a defeat would have. I mean, I think Graham was all, already willing to concede relegation at the at half time in that that one. So yeah, to, to actually manage to turn it around and get a win, they obviously need to build on it. But I think at least it gives them some sort of foundation to to work from now. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, Motherwell started this game a bit better. They got down the sides of Ross County. Uh, a couple of times, and maybe should have done better. Uh, O'Donnell certainly should have done better uh, with a with a chance. He had to pick somebody out. Cole maybe he closed down well by Laidlaw, but maybe could have uh, done better with a chance he had. But then after that, County just were hitting the ball and behind Motherwell every opportunity they could, and they were uh, it's, Motherwell were struggling to cope with the pace of Hilton, uh, Charles Cook, and that. And then you saw that for the goal. Um, I'm not entirely sure what. Happened at half time, what changed in the second half, but Motherwell just completely dominated. And you're right about what uh Andy, it was a typical Tony Watt performance. He he was everywhere, he was turning players, he was physical, he was beating a man, he wasn't scoring. <laughs> it was bit, but he, he was he was very, very good. But Tony, this game kind of stood out mostly, I would say, especially for those who have watched the highlights, uh, for poor goalkeeping. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, Ross, the both both goalkeepers have made errors there. And I mean, it's really unfortunate for, for Motherwell in, in that sense because um, that was sort of meant to be sort of like a, a crucial signing to get him in. And obviously, they've had real problems with goalkeepers over the course of the season. And then he's already sort of caught the bug, if you like, at Motherwell. So that will worry them a bit. They'll be pleased that they've got sort of Campbell back in the team. Uh, which is obviously a, a huge part to play for for Motherwell uh, at any time in, in this season. And they, they'll be pleased this as well because they were missing Polworth, who's probably been one of their better players uh, in recent weeks after he got himself sort of that stupid red card uh, against Aberdeen and for them to still get through there. And it looks like sort of Crawford, start, if they can keep the results going, it'll start to look like a 
sort of half decent season. I mean, a half decent signing for them to to replace for when guys like Campbell and Polworth aren't there. I thought it was interesting what you were saying about um, sort of Ross County and the and the fact that they were trying they were going in over the top, which they haven't always been doing with when they brought in Charles Cook and Hilton. It's something I spoke about on a on a previous podcast that I thought there was room for for Ross County to at least play one of these players against sort of Rangers and obviously the games against Hibs, they 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 be going with this sort of three three six one formation, which with, with Naismith coming in and, and Lacken's been playing uh, with Vigers and Draper and Peyton obviously sort of supporting Shaw. But then Hughes obviously sort of fancied that a bit last night and, and, and went with Charles Cook and Hilton. And I think in games going forward, I think there's certainly room for one of them because the, the criticism we'd have that I've had of Ross County since he came in is when he plays that three six one, it's very slow. It's not there's there's some decent players in there. I mean, Peyton's sort of sort of come on a bit under under Hughes. He started to affect the game a bit more, and, and Lacking's sort of an interesting player. Um, but I, I don't think they can go on with that for for the rest of the season. They do need to add some pace. And, and Charles Cook, for example, even if he did continue to go with three at the back. I think that Charles Cook could easily play in one of the wing-back roles. I think he's been at his best this season when when playing in one of those roles. So there's certainly room for these pacey wide players that they do have. Um, but I think we maybe do have to mention something about Holly Shaw. He's got he's got another goal in there. I mean, he's someone that we've evolved. Well, not just us. I think most people had sort of written off. He became a bit of a joke figure with the, the quote from Leanne Dempster a few years back. And then sort of Ross County started to look a bit silly playing six figures for him, but started to look more. He's keeping sort of Billy Mackay out of the team. He certainly looks like the main man. He's scoring a lot of the goals for Ross County. So going forward, he'll be he'll be hard to to shift. And by the sound, you never know. Ross Stewart it looks like he's going to be signing a pre-contract somewhere, and it wouldn't be shot horror if Ross County sort of cashed in mm. on him before the end of January. So Shaw will be an extremely important player. And it looks like I don't think Jordan White coming in uh, is going to really even imagine that'll help him too much. Although I suppose we thought the same about Shaw, but uh, obviously White's not had a much success at Motherwell already uh, this season. So I'll be interested. Uh, you'd imagine that Hughes is maybe going to try and go two up front. And, yeah, I think uh, there could. Yeah, there could be something similar with or similar to like maybe the reason Motherwell had him is that they didn't have sort of like a big guy that they can they can hit with on balls and sort of your typical target man. And you could argue Ross County are quite similar, especially when Stewart's not there, even though Stewart, I think, is a lot more than just a, a big guy you, you shell balls to. But obviously Mackay's quite small, even though he's decent ways back to go. Ollie Shaw uh, is similar. So I, I get the feeling he might just be a horses for courses type sign-in and we might not actually see too much of him in, in an ideal world. But yeah, I think it's quite funny that Sort of Jordan White, as I sort of just got left the idea that Jordan White just got left behind when Motherwell sort of left Ross County in the car park, and he tries to get on the bus, and no, you're not, you don't, you you live here now, sir. Goodbye, and then off they pop. Yeah, he certainly, uh, he certainly gives them another option, like you say. I mean, the talent-wise, we'll we'll see how the how the signing pans out. The guys that they brought on yesterday were actually pretty good. They 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 contributed. Each one of them contributed, and they were maybe slightly unlucky in a few opportunities not to get uh, an equaliser, though. But just before we move on from this game, did anybody notice Declan Gallagher's audition for the Duffy role at Celtic? No, okay. that silence means that's completely <laughs> failed. 
So when uh, when Hilton just nicks it off him for oh. the, at the goal, and he oh, just right. goes, oh, fuck, to himself just before he, he starts running back. It's exactly what Duffy did against, was it Sparta Prague? Like one of the four ones or something like that. And he done it against Aberdeen as well when he gets Maybe that's the game I'm thinking of. Maybe yeah, that's the game I'm thinking of. It's either Hedges or, or no, it's when Hedges scores and he gets caught with the ball out wide and he tries to sort of take him out and he and he isn't able to do it. And then he's staring at the sky, giving it the offer. He's done that a few times this season, Duffy. I'm sure uh, if someone's sort of kind enough at home to put maybe get some of those clips together for, uh, I think, a lot of our sort of terrace followers would, would maybe enjoy that. Anyway, tough crowd, man. Tough crowd. <laughs> just bad memories, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just, done a bit of a duffy as well, getting caught under the under the ball for when uh, um, Big McGabby managed to score. And a draper, shaving his head. He's joining the draper and the skinheads. There we go. So, anyway, let's move on to the next. We'll, those were our featured matches. We'll spend a wee bit less time on, on these next matches and we'll start with your team, Tony. Hibs, nil. Rangers won. What did you think of your team's performance? Um, I think in compa- comparison to uh, sort of the recent form, I think Hibs are looking at what, what, some one win in nine or something like that in, in all competitions. It was certainly better in terms of an organisation. Uh, and uh, at the back, we we didn't look, we weren't getting caught out easily with movement and obviously cross balls and set pieces were causing us quite as much bother as they were before. And there were some sort of positives where. So sort of Cadden and Doig sort of working really well in, in those wing-back roles. I imagine a lot of people were sitting home quite shocked about Boyle not playing, but uh, in terms of his form, especially since December, I mean, since maybe Dundee United at home, his, his form's fallen off a cliff. So I don't think I was necessarily against that. And obviously with the defensive issues we've had recently, I don't think it was unfair that we made the change in that back three and brought Darren McGregor in. And, and funnily enough, we all thought Darren McGregor was maybe finished. I think a lot of people felt that way, but he was one of the better performers on the night. It was a game, the kind of battle that suits a guy like McGregor. Basically, Morelos will enter into the battle with him. Um, and and I think he, he sort of enjoyed that and, and it brought out the best in Darren McGregor. And Andy, um, there were, I mean, I felt like I was just going to trot out a cliche, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Uh, we saw both sides of Alfredo Morello last night. We uh, both stamped on someone and perhaps got away with one and uh, went on to score the winner. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it was a kind of classic Morello's performance. It seemed like he'd not had so much of that. I mean, he's not maybe had as good a season front of goal either, but he um, it did look like he'd... he'd being able to keep a handle of things temper-wise recently, but no, it was the the stamp certainly for me was a red card and I think there's a certain angle of it from behind Morelos where it, where it very obviously it looks like he's he knows what he's doing um, and it's the same with it was McGregor did one a similar type of stamp later on in the game um, but certainly for, for Morelos he should have been sent off the um, in the the Wraith Hearts game, there was a kind of similar incident, and um, Reagan Henry was sent off for Wraith, and seemed to be much the same type of man, and there wasn't really any complaints. I was kind of baffled on, maybe I shouldn't be baffled, but baffled online by comments from kind of Rangers fans who had kind of said they'd watched the 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 stamp repeatedly, or you know they'd watched it a number of times, and they still couldn't figure out how it was a red card, and it's just, I mean, that completely. The, See what you want. Yeah, exactly, but. 
But it was, it was, it, as I say, there was a certain angle of it from behind where he's clearly brought the, the pressure of his foot down on, was it McGregor's leg at the time? Portia. Um, yes. Portia, sorry, yes, it was. Um, and, uh, you know, it, and you think some, some people maybe get away with it in a sense because it's maybe not in their, their character uh, and it's uh, in inverted commas and it's maybe not something that you'd expect them to do so they maybe get away with it because of that but it's Mireles and Mireles has got a history of, of that type of, of lashing out so Rangers were lucky with that um, but then again yeah they showed they showed his, his quality in terms of the, the finish is very good I mean embarrassed Porteous for the goal um, the goal's great in general yeah. the goal's great the move is amazing yeah I was it's thinking, very good uh... I was thinking of Morelos. We kind of saw all the hits last night. It was like good movement, and the and the goal was sort of like right up Morelos' street. We had the stamping incident, and we also had a missing a complete sitter open goal where 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 he put it wide. So it was sort of all the hits. But you're right with the goal. It is good movement, but again, unfortunately for Hibbs and for 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 Ryan Porteous, um, I think he's at fault once again for that goal. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Is there an argument? I just don't want to dwell on them too much, but is there an argument to be made, Tony, that Morelos's one looks worse when you slow it down, and the McGregor one's a tangle of legs? Um, yeah, I think the McGregor one is. I mean, I'm going to get accused of bias here, so it's absolutely fine. I don't think the McGregor one is is really a booker. I think he instantly apologizes. You can see he doesn't actually want it to to happen. I think the Morelos one. Um, I think more and more that I've watched it since, especially I watch sports read right before I go on. Um, I think it is deliberate stamp, but I can sort of see where the referee might see it slightly differently. Um, so I'm not going to get too sort of carried away with it. Um, but in terms of Rangers again, their, their, their performance, they, I thought Hibs were pretty good in the first half. I thought they were toe-to-toe and, and they had chances, but... Rangers, once they got that goal, went from strength to strength and they had some really good performers. Like Glenn Kamara, just he's such a he's such a really good player. And and Hibbs, I think, struggled in that midfield, but it got later on. They couldn't keep the ball as well when because it was Halberg, Gogic, and Irvin. I think Hibbs are missing Joan Yo quite a bit at the moment. And I thought Glenn Kamara, really as the game went on, sort of started to run the show in there. Aye, aye, he was he was great. Um and Rangers, even though it was a narrow result, it still felt like a, a fairly comfortable victory, isn't it? But I suppose still positives for Hibs to take, uh, especially regarding their kind of, when you can compare it with a recent form anyway, it's certainly like something that they can take a lot of positives from. Let's move on to the next game, and that's Celtic 2, Hamilton Academicals nil. Now, you kind of brought this up not so long ago, uh, Connie, a few weeks ago about how Aki's were setting up, but I looked, I looked at the live score app last night, and it's literally a back four in front of a back three. Yeah, I mean, who's the right back again? Oh, uh, Hodson, Hodson, yeah, yeah. uh, Odefin, Sterling, and McMahon. Right, that that that's a back four. That's their midfield. Behind <laughs> <laughs> that, they've got Hamilton, uh, Martin. Uh, Martin, and uh, oh, Easton. Yeah. Well, Gallic plays like a ten now, yeah. and it made it made no difference either. I mean, I, mean, I was watching the game, and the, it was just a. Yeah, they've been hard pressed to tell what formation they were playing because they were all they were all defending. There was Moyo uh, uh, up front, um, uh, and 
that was that was pretty much it. There wasn't there wasn't a lot really happening in in terms of Hamilton's formation. It was a it it, it was kind of it's almost exactly how you would imagine that a normal Celtic Hamilton game would go. Uh, actually, which is probably good for for Celtic uh, that they they started they actually had quite an attacking team out because um, they had Griffiths, Edward, Turnbull, you know, say all playing, um, and uh, they had Taylor and. Iron down uh, either flank as fullback, so it was a, a relatively attacking sort of team that, that Celtic had, and it was it was pretty comfortable. Uh, Griffiths Griffiths's goal was very well taken from the edge of the box, uh, although I think it was uh, maybe McCann, maybe somebody else who gave it away for Hamilton. Um, and it, it was one of those ones because Hamilton are defending so much in their own half, they're, they're eventually going to give Celtic a, a, a chance, and it was a good finish by Griffiths. And Celtic, they, they were. I didn't think they looked especially smooth. I don't think that the that kind of four or five up front were were brilliant. They, they looked like um, a, a bunch of players who haven't necessarily all played together very often recently, um, which has, has really been the case. But they, they still created a whole bunch of chances. Uh, Griffiths missed an absolute sitter not long after scoring when he kind of the ball went through his legs when they had an open goal, um, and Edward kind of toe poked one that uh, Fulton saved. There wasn't. There wasn't. Certainly, second half especially, there was nothing really happening. Hamilton had one chance, so that's the, the the concern for Celtic is that they're still doing those kind of mad things at the back. Uh, Duffy kind of flying. I don't, I don't know what he was doing. So the cross came in, and Duffy kind of just flung himself almost out of the way of it, like it was a it was a kind of grenade, and he was he was trying to get out of the way of the the blast. Uh, and it, it, Moyle didn't expect it, and it kind of banged off his head rather than it being an actual header, uh, and kind of went out. Other than that, there was nothing. But yeah, that that would be the concern for for Celtic is that they've still got a crap defence. Yeah, but uh, Tony, one of the positives for them is that Edward turned it on against Aki's again. No, oh, yeah, he seems to be able to, to do that. No problem. Uh, I think it's it's safe to say that um, to get at the moment to get the best out of Edward is with Griffiths. They've always had. So a little bit of chemistry going back to last season that Edward hasn't had with any other partner, if you like. Um, and obviously we see that with the goal uh, for Edward's goal, Griffiths, sort of a nice through nice through ball after holding up. And I think sports scene done a decent bit showing like quite how closely they stay together, which is something I'm a real fan of when you have strike when you have a strike force up there is them being t- close together. Linking up with each other, it was it was always going to be a routine. When what what I would say for, I mean, again, we've got the to touch on what Andy was talking about about the defence. We've also got back to the merry-go-round of of goalkeepers now. Baines did Lennon not say he's now number one, and and, and he basically threw Barkas under the bus as much as he humanly could. Five million pound yeah. signing. That's him. He just basically said he's not up to speed, which I find a bizarre thing for a goalkeeper uh, to be a Champions League goalkeeper. Yeah, and he said he, he he said he wasn't physically ready, but he also it was the the faintest praise of Bain as well. Where they basically said we'll put Scott Bain in because he hasn't he hasn't made too many or caused too many problems in the league or something. It was like all right, it was like the, <laughs> you know, league stuff. It's not a yeah. total disaster in, in domestic football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From chasing the ten to 
Well, Scott Bain's all right. <laughs> I like that, that he said domestic football as well, because obviously that rules out some of the ones that he had in Lille yeah, earlier yeah. in, in the season. So, I mean, they're all clearly in his mind, but I've come to the conclusion that there's just no point in listening to Lennon anymore. He's, nah. he, he's just at it. He, he knows he's gone. He's not refusing to quit. Celtic are refusing to have it. I, I don't normally feel sorry for Celtic fans, but I can see why you get very angry at, at this situation. Now, in terms of different bits about Hamilton, I mean, Easton coming back in, he had a few good blocks that I saw in the highlights, and he'll be a huge return. I, I do think he is their, their best defender out of all the, all millions of them. I, I think Easton is the, the next one. But um, I, I think we could maybe continue with this type of formation with Callan, especially with their sort of more attacking players that, that they're missing at the moment. Uh, Johnson, the one that I really like, who, who's played a few games, he's now sort of injured. And obviously Templeton's out for the end of the season. So they are really struggling for, for some sort of spark. But I'm mean, missing uh, Smith as well for pretty much the whole season. I think he might have started the season, but then been injured since as well. And he showed a lot of promise last season. Yeah. So it's like all the. So in terms of. I, I do. Brian Rice, we've given a bit of stick about the fact he's always grown a bit injuries. And he does have a big squad. But uh, the biggest issue for them is that it's their three sort of main creative players that, that seem to be that seem to be struggling to get into the team, which is a, is a problem. But if I was them, I would, I would probably stick with similar to what they've got. Just now, um, and maybe bring in a midfielder or two, maybe play one of their, even if it's like Trafford or some of that, just so there's actually a midfielder in there or Scott Martin again. Um, so there's a central midfielder. But I think the idea, Moyo and Ocampo, now that Ocampo's back, I would just go with that. And and, and if you're not there, they can't play through the midfield with with a Dolphin anyway. He, he's, mm. he's, he's a good player, a Dolphin. I do like him, but um, he's just not a good enough footballer. He's not a central midfield player. Neil Sterling, they can't keep the ball, so they can't move through the gears through through their team. So, I mean, getting up towards Moyo and Ocampo, they'll cause teams problems due to their size and their awkwardness. And then you've got Callahan, who's sort of improved dramatically in an attacking sense. His, his movement, it, the, the positions he picks up, his drive, um, it sort of added a lot to his game. And I think this is maybe could something that could be really good for Callahan is the situation he's been in. Yeah, he's maybe not at the best team. They're struggling. It might not be that enjoyable to play, but the amount that he's been able to add to his game due to what Hamilton have needed from him, and he, and he has produced at times, um, is, 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 could have a huge effect on his sort of general career and um, his improvement as, a, as, a, as an all-round player. I'm going from one team who Tony describes as it doesn't seem to be much fun to be playing for to a team who everybody just seems to be loving to play for at the moment, no matter what starting eleven they stick out, and that's Livingston. Who defeated Kilmarnock 2-0. We're on to the two least eventful matches of, of the card. And uh, Andy, it seems that this game, not too much happened for about 89 minutes. Uh, Kilmarnock played for a draw largely and they just weren't able to hold out. They were a little bit unlucky, I think, for that first goal. Yes, yeah, maybe a wee bit unlucky, but um, the defending wasn't wasn't especially especially good. I think from it, but I think um, yeah, Livingston just know how to grind out wins at the moment. Um, they did the same in the semi the weekend, but I, I didn't think they were that great either, to be honest. And but they they really nullified St Mirren for for almost the entire game, and then here, yeah. Uh, uh, Kelly didn't really offer very much at all, and that would be a a, a big concern. Uh, you know, continually a big concern for Kelly that they're not really offering very much up front. George Oakley has come in and 
you know, he was fine at Hamilton, and I think some Hamilton fans are disappointed that he isn't going to go back there. But that maybe says more about Hamilton's striking situation. I, I, th- I think he's okay, but he he's not going to. He's not. He scored something like four goals in thirty odd matches for um, Hamilton. So yeah, he's he's not going to change that too significantly. And I think it was it was again relatively comfortable for Livingston. Um, took their chances, and it, it, the thing that. The other positive for Livingston again is that they they made like four changes from the starting lineup that um, played in the semi final, and that was on top of making a number of changes for, for the game against Celtic. So they're at a point where they, they almost can't they almost can't fail. You know, whoever they bring in, it's not making any difference. It's not disrupting their rhythm at all. They're all seem to be on the same page. Um, and yeah, you bring on I think Sybil came on didn't he, and, and helped create the the first goal. Um, it, yeah, they're, they're, it's just a it's just a very good story at the moment, and they're, they're, they're they are the team that you don't want to play. Uh, they just look like they're, they're capable of of winning no matter what, just now. Yeah, definitely, and it's kind of the opposite for Kilmarnock at the moment. Um, they're on a pretty pretty poor run, Tony, and their next run of fixtures look particularly tricky. I mean, they've got St Johnston, they've lost twice to them already this season, then they have Celtic, St Mirren. Motherwell, so those two could go either way. They're pretty tricky matches, they look like at the moment. And then Rangers after that. So, I mean, it's a really tough run of fixtures for them coming up. And it's tight down there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I would worry about Kilmarnock. It seems daft because I, I do like Kilmarnock's squad. I've spoken about it in here that I actually think they've got one of the better squads in the league, even now that, that, that Brophy's moved on. But it was, if you look at the team, yes, it's, it, it, there was lacking a lot with the fact that. Uh, the sort of Kilty, Kilty wasn't available, Balumbu wasn't available. You're sort of stuck with Pinnock out wide. To I mean, he's had some sort of moments um, play, playing wide, but nothing really spectacular. He's put a few decent balls in, and, he, and he's been a bit of a workhorse at times. Uh, and then they were also missing Broadfoot uh, at the back there. The goalkeeping situation isn't isn't great. Uh, and so, like yesterday, you were sort of looking at that team, and obviously Tishbola and Power are are really good players, and we and we and we like the sort of central midfield part. But um, yesterday, I'm just looking at that team, and it's like Mackenzie's decent player, but he's one that I feel vibes off other players, other good players around uh, Mackenzie help him play well. In this game, he's actually looking like more like one of the main attacking players, along along with Burke. Uh, in terms of the creative side of it, and and I just feel like that team looks like it was really easy to play against for for a side of the of like Livingston. I think it did play out that way. I don't think Kilmarnock really created any chances uh, through, throughout throughout the game, and, and that's worrying because if they got these tough games coming up, and they they're obviously lacking some players at the moment through injury or whatever, and the fact that Kilmarnock just aren't having a particularly good season. It's, it sort of reeks of some of these ones of the bigger clubs where you sort of sleepwalk towards the playoffs and, and you don't you wake up one day and, and, and you're just you are 11th and that was something if I was a Kilmarnock fan would start to sort of worry me a bit to, to have a point go back to Livingston if, if you don't mind um, you'd be so excited about the about the management there is it's all these different ways of the winning so you, you touched on it Andy when you're talking about the, the amount of changes that they're, they're making as a side, but it's not just that they're also changing shape. I mean, they went three at the back, three at the back against against Celtic, uh, and and then they, the, today in the, in this game yesterday they went back to sort of a four two three one. And it's also the way that the manager's been able to use um, Jet, who was starting to look a bit more and more like a busted flush. Now he was sort of playing wing back against uh, Celtic, 
and he really put in a, in a shift and he, and he helped create one of the goals. Yesterday, I think he gave the team a lot of impetus and it was smart tactically by putting him, by putting him out there because he was basically holding the ball up in a wide area and allowing guys like like Pittman to, to get beyond them. And then they obviously brought in Robinson, who, who was doing the same. So they've got this style of tactically they're good, their game management's good, they're at, when they're at their best, their style in and around the box is, all, is always good to watch, even when they are direct. When it gets around the box, they, they have quick passing moves, they've good passing lanes, they all move for each other. And uh, obviously the attitude's great. So it's like every single faction of a, of a football team in all the different ways, including your sort of... Your, your, the smartness of the manager in sort of different ways and his decision making and style and shape and formation everything tactically is all coming up right and and I struggle to see yes they're going to lose games but I, I don't see how it's going to really hold from under them yeah I think I think that's a fair point it's certainly not looking like it's uh, going to end anytime soon anyway um Tony, sticking with you, we're going to our last game and we're about at time, so, and there's not much to say about it really, but you watched, unluckily, we were both avoiding St. John's in the United because we're like, nah, that looks like it'll be terrible. We both went for other games and it turned out that we we missed the cracker, but you got this, the the, the St. Johnston nil, Aberdeen nil. How was it? Oh, man, it, like, it was the exact same as, as the one earlier in the season, so I don't know why I didn't learn my lesson. Um <laughs> Because, I mean, I, I bought that game early in the season as well. I, I, when I, we were allowed to go around to our parents' house. I, went, I was at my mum's and I, and I bought that and watched it with my dad. Uh, and it was exactly the same. The two of them cancelled. What I will say is that Aberdeen, so in the first half, were on the brink of looking um, really, really good. Um, the sort of Scott Wright was brought back at the team, which I was relatively um, surprised with, if you like, considering all the things that have been going on around him in, in recent weeks. But they brought him back into the team and they sort of tactically done something quite clever um, to try and sort of block off Sean Rooney, who's obviously had a, a few good games recently in that wing-back slot. They had Kennedy out there who was linking well with, with Hedges and Sean Rooney was struggling to deal with the fact because they two were just b- bouncing the ball off each other and Rooney didn't know whether to let him inside or he was going on the outside. And I thought that was good because that, from Aberdeen's point of view, because that sort of shut down what looked like actually quite a decent sort of attacking outlet for, for, for St. Johnston in recent games. I'm not surprised by how flat St. Johnston were. I, it happens a lot. I mean, we'll all ex- we've all experienced it with our teams after big derby wins or beating the old firm or winning cups or in semi-finals or whatever. It is quite often that you go back and, it, and it's, especially when you're going back to another empty stadium, that you'll, you'll, you'll end up um, playing flat. But don't get me wrong, they, they worked so hard, St. Johnston and Davidson will be really happy about that. He brought in, uh, he made a couple of changes. Wotherspoon dropped out the team, as did Ali McCann, and Bryson came in, and Bryson had a had a decent game in there, very much in a, in a, in a defensive sense. And I will say for Chris Kane, um, I was asked earlier in the season by Fowler after he scored a couple of goals, that is, is there a change in Chris Kane? And I, I sort of poo-pooed that, if you like. But um, after watching this, his link-up play has improved um, dramatically, uh, I, w- I would say, and his work rate is so infectious up there, and it, it really helped. It was a nightmare for Aberdeen, and Aberdeen had to make changes earlier in the game uh, because Hoban went... I mean, Wright clearly saw something in him. He kept him for years and years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, And I think he's, he's, he's starting to realise that, and, and I think it's something we need to realise... This isn't a criticism of Scottish football. Like I, I, I mean, but 
you can be an industrious forward. Guys like Robinson, don't get me wrong, he's he's improved dramatically in all parts of his game. But we've seen plenty of strikers in Scottish football who can have a decent career up here and be good for their teams when their main attribute is actually just work rate. Uh, and 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 I think Chris Kane's got that the national team as well. Yeah, the national. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Miller. I mean, putting him up on a sort of different level. Uh, when he obviously in Scottish Premiership, he's he's a, he's a good player. But when he went in international, we, we he he was very very similar. But um, Aberdeen did have to make changes earlier in the game uh, because Hoban was forced off, and that I think did have an effect on them. That that brought McCrory after to play uh, in in a more central defensive role, and they brought Campbell on to play in the centre. So that was unfortunate because part of me was kind of looking forward to seeing Ferguson McCrory back together. I've not seen Aberdeen in a few weeks, and they and they obviously were 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 kept apart uh, previously. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I, I've tried to talk this up there, but it was fucking dreadful. <laughs> then there was, uh, was so little, so little chances. Cosgrove had a couple. Aberdeen miss Watkins so much in that shape. I liked Fowler's. The article that he, that he wrote when he was talking about it would be a smart move for Dundee United and, and Aberdeen to swap their strikers with Shankland. I actually don't think that's mad at all, but it certainly won't happen. But you see it here. It wasn't that Cosgrove was bad. He had a couple of decent headed chances and, and he held the ball up at points, but the fluidity just stops dead. And that's not his fault. It's not his game. It's not uh, like and, that, yeah. Yeah, and then so Hedges and Wright sort of don't, don't get there. And the last thing I'd say is maybe right if I was right... I would be really, he's not going to be able to, but to push to get that move to Rangers because he's going to find it hard to get in that team next season when it all resets. But if he managed to get to Rangers now... Get your league medal now. Yeah, go to Rangers, get his league medal, yeah. But also, Rangers are going to win the league relatively soon. So there'll be a, a load of dead rubbers at the end where a guy like Scott Wright might be able to find his way into the team, show that he should be there, linking up with the players... Um, and sort of proving himself as a Rangers player before going to next season. Uh, so I think for him, that would be a bonus. But obviously Aberdeen fans won't want me saying that because they might end up with Craig Stewart for a third time and it's never worked the other two times. There you go. We've ended with a featured game. And Nil, have you anything to add to that, Andy? No, no, I think Tony has uh, sold that game, apart from the fact they said it was rubbish. But uh, no, I've got, I've got absolutely nothing to add to that. Everybody go sign up for St Johnston's TV and rewatch the the ninety minutes of that on Tony's recommendation. <laughs> anyway, um, thanks again for joining us. You can check out all the other shows that go up on the main feed. I will be recording with Chris again tomorrow because we've both been quite busy this week, um, and there's plenty of stuff going up on the Patreon. We'll be back in the main show on Monday. But other than that, just say bye, Tony, and we'll get out of here. See later. Just say bye, Andy. See ya. Bye, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.